and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video editor at Polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, a head overlord at Giant Space Cat, very much easier to say, and Serenity Caldwell, managing editor at iMore. Uh, welcome to the show, Serenity. This is Ooh. your second time on, right? Yeah, I think so. Second time and very glad to be here. There's a reason you're already in my we're, Skype we're contacts. Glad you can be here for us in this time of Christina Warren betrayal <sighs> of her like seeing Beyonce not once in one week, but seeing twice. Beyonce yes, twice. Backstage. Like, I feel As if we backstage. don't even matter. Oh. Yeah, I saw a picture of her with someone who looked important. What's she up to? <laughs> yeah. Will yeah, we ever speak yeah. to Christina I don't again? Know if the show can I think survive. she's been kidnapped by the Beyonce hive. And now oh, the no. next thing we'll see is that she's, you know, her personal tech savant. <laughs> that would be literally, is there a position like that? Because Christina would be literally the perfect person for it. Oh, yeah, that would be her. Because they always that, say that, like, celebrities, <laughs> I mean, Beyonce might be the exception, but celebrities, like, don't know how to use the internet because they get their PAs, like, especially, like, of a certain age. Like, if they became famous before cell phones, smartphones became a thing, like, they never learned how to use them because they have personal assistants. So maybe, maybe Christina can be that person. Mm. <laughs> That's what Christina I heard. Christina is anyway. just a living, walking the iPhone. Picture yeah. of, uh, do you remember the picture of uh, Beyonce when she was wearing like the gold I, you know, Apple Watch when it was so mysterious and beautiful? And she has like this beauty shot of her taken with it, and she's wearing <gasps> it upside down. Like Christina could help her avoid those She'd kinds like, no, of babe, you know no. mishaps. That would no, be amazing. <laughs> Don't do this. Maybe she's oh. not. Maybe she's not wearing it upside down. Maybe she's just wearing it inverted. No, you know what she does oh, she is she holds it out that. to someone else and makes them do actions <laughs> on it. She's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Here, use my Apple. Just text someone up. on my Apple Watch for me. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would I do. Love it. Frankly, no one ever came through to get me the Apple Watch, so but it's okay. So, Serenity, I have to tell you, the last time I hung out with you, we were having dinner with Jason Snell, and this was when the Apple Watch first came out, and you showed me this trick. You go, hey, Brianna, I'm going to show you a trick with the Apple Watch, and you just put your hand over it, and you smacked it, and it turned off. And to this day, every single time I do that, I do do the Serenity Caldwell trick, pow! You just turn it off. Like, it's a very satisfying motion to do it like that, I find. It's like cup. It's... uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like cupping your eyes when you're like doing hide and seek. It feels like that. Or it's just like, I'm just tapping it off. Go away. Extinguishing a candle? Yes, that's what I'm thinking of with like like the old little bell candle extinguisher. I want to do that. Oh my God. It's so fun. When the screen is on, you just (laughs) slightly tap your wrist. Next time I see someone with an Apple Watch, I'm just going to walk up to them and just smack them on the wrist. (laughs) You can do it. (laughs) They'll be like, what magic did you work? Be very impressed if you could break it with a karate chop. That really, well, if they yeah. didn't know that it was turning it off, they would be like, "Whoa, this this wacko!" Why did this just, random person just slap yeah. my wrist? I feel like we can tell Rocket listeners to just walk down the street, and we are giving you carte blanche to just smack Apple watches off with the Serenity Caldwell. That's what people we're have call to know. It. You just they have to know. Have. That's true. So, do we want to talk about uh, what happened in the Apple world this week? Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. Phil Schiller was talking to The Loop and uh, The Verge and basically said that the the App Store is going to be changing some things, namely 
They are now, uh, their apps are being reviewed faster and more efficiently and can also be advertised in search. And on top of that, uh, apps can offer auto-renewable subscriptions through in-app purchases. So you both have, you, I, Brianna definitely has worked with the App Store a lot. How, how much do these changes mean to you as a person who has published apps in the past? Well, quite a lot. Um, I do have to say I'd love your opinion on this serenity. But um, you know, the, the horror tales of Apple coming through and censoring things, we've never had any of those kinds of problems. Like Apple has always been very, very reasonable with us. Um, what we have had are the kind of difficulties that I don't know if Apple can... I, I, I'm very curious if it's part of this shift to making things faster. So, Serenity, tell me, have you ever heard a, a developer complain about the Dun and Bradstreet number scenario with <laughs> Apple? Because it's so terrible. Oh, never. never heard a developer never. complain about the App Store? No. Are you no. serious? Yeah, no, of course. Tell right. me about so, it, Serenity. Yeah. Um, no, you know, the App Store, um, when the App Store first came out, it was revolutionary in a, a huge way because it made apps, it made programs and third party programs, especially much more accessible to the average user. You think about, you know, the kind of programs that someone was running on their Mac pre iPhone or even on their PC. It was usually, you know, you got freeware, you had shareware, you had paidware, but the vast majority of programs that the average person, aka non-creative person, was running was like they downloaded Firefox. <laughs> and maybe, maybe if they wanted to spend some of their hard-earned cash, they might download some shareware programs and they maybe might pay for it if the free trial went, ran out. But more likely, they were trying to like Google for a launch co- or for a license code. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm semi ashamed to admit that I definitely did some of that when I was, when I was a student and had no access to a credit card. Cause I was like, oh, these programs are so amazing and I wish I could pay for them, but I can't. So how can I still get access to them? Uh, anyway, shameful confession over. I pay for lots of software now. Um, <laughs> she's changed. She's reformed. Yes, I'm changed. You're, you're reformed. I, I have, a, I have credit cards now and that helps with my ability to purchase things. Uh, yeah, no, on the, uh, when the iPhone came out with the App Store, not only did it basically blow the iPhone wide open in terms of what it could and couldn't do, uh, but it made, it made buying apps second nature. Oh, yeah, I'll try a different Twitter client. Yeah, I'll, uh, I want a different iPhone app that, uh, allows me to put filters on my camera. I'll pay, <laughs> I want 10 you know, of them, actually. Yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> remember Hipstamatic? Like, Hipstamatic oh was one of the first. Yeah, and that yeah, was I thought you know, that was a real money quote from uh, Schiller over this, saying he wanted to give people a reason to vi- visit the app store every day. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, for me as a developer, the kinds of things that I find have slowed us down in the app approval process are some very, very fundamental things that I really am questioning if Apple is able to fix it. Like the Dun & Bradstreet number, uh, for you to sell something in the app store and to make money with it, you have to go use this ancient system of getting like a customer ID number and sending tax ID information to this third-party software thing. The entire reason Revolution 6 to is sold under the name Brianna, um, I think it was Brianna Wu, uh, was because before I was married, I just had a normal developer account, which we used forever. And then we could not transfer that over to a corporate account with like keeping all of our um, the the addresses that was writing like uh, your save files to. So, you know, with that, that is antiquated. 
Apple will pull your stuff on a dime if you didn't miss if you missed an email and didn't like agree to some new tax information or some new app store agreement it's it's a really convoluted system and no developer i know has not had this experience of like calling up apple and having them have some bug in the system they've got to figure out we had our app pulled once because i went through and it, it thought i was registered for the mac app store that i said i wanted that in my cart and I didn't, and it got stuck in limbo, like this Mac App Store along with the <laughs> iOS App Store $99 fee, and it wouldn't register it. So, you know, they can do things like add more people to review apps. They can do a lot of automated processes, which they've, you know, really stepped up. But I really question, um, you know, when they say they've gotten it down to 24 hours, just how many people are really going to experience that. Yeah, it says Apple's reviewing 50% of apps within 24 hours, and 90% within 48 hours. That is a lot of apps. I, I don't know how many get submitted to the app store every day, but that's can't be a trivial tons, number. Like, tons. yeah. <laughs> Reviewing no, over 100,000 apps per week in aggregate, says Mac Stories. So that, <sighs> how, I mean, how does uh, an advance this big happen? Like, that seems like a huge, huge. Um, internal change that must have happened on Apple's end. Yeah, well, I think it's been in the works for a while. And actually, we've we've heard developers talking about this on Twitter starting, I think, about a month and a half ago. Um, Craig Hockenberry mentioned, you know, they submitted an app um, to the store and it got reviewed or it got reviewed within 24 hours. Wow. Um, and the, the guys at Panic were talking about that and been like, normally it takes seven days plus <laughs> for a Mac app to be reviewed for the Mac app store and our minds are blown. And I really hope this is a change and yay, Phil, Phil Schiller, but it's really been just isolated developers mentioning this. I have to think that this is something that Phil Schiller has and company have had in the works for at least six to 12 months. And it's been a slow kind of rollout, a slow build where behind the scenes, there might've been a ton of stuff happening, right? Hiring extra people and changing their algorithms and changing what they were and were not reviewing for and how reviews got escalated and where the holdup points were and how to fix all of that. Um, and then on the end user side, I mean, the, the user doesn't really see anything other than, oh, I'm getting more up <laughs> like more frequent app updates Suddenly than I normally do. Yeah, and, then, and from the developer side, it's, oh, my my apps are actually being reviewed much faster than they used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then they get to be able to come out with something like this and say, yep, now all, you know, 90% of our apps are reviewed in 48 yeah. hours. And developers can be like, yeah, actually, we have anecdotal evidence to prove that this has been happening for a while. And, you know, that that they really are making good on this and aren't just making up a number out of thin air. Everything is going smoothly. <laughs> what? Yeah, from what I hear from my friends that uh, work at Apple, I hear that they've really stepped up their automated processes, I, which make a lot of sense, right? Like a lot of the reason the App Store step is there is to frankly prevent junkware, you know, things that crash for no reason. And, you know, there's no substitute for a human eye to go through and really make sure it, you know, works with Apple's policies. But at the same time, like, you know, making sure stuff isn't buggy, it's not crashy, there's not memory leaking, like, to a certain extent, you can do automated tests on that. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to see this, um, them stepping up on this. I have to admit, I think the rest of the news from Phil Schiller was much bigger than uh, you know, the increased review time. So about the, uh, yeah. the search or the discoverability and the in-app subscriptions? 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, the big news, I thought, coming out of this that's really going to affect consumers. Uh, You know, Serenity, I don't know how you feel about this, but it really bothers me that every time I want to watch something on Amazon Prime, um, I have to boot up my PlayStation 4. I really, really, really want this on my Apple TV. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) That said, I can really see it from Amazon's point of view that, you know, they're essentially giving 30% of their revenue forever to Apple from that, you know, if you sign up and and subscribe that way. And there are some companies like Hulu has been willing to do this. HBO Go has been willing to do this. But to me, the really big news coming out of this is that Apple is going to, you know, they will take their their fat split, you know, (laughs) 70-30 with 70 going to the developer. Um, Which, by the way, after Apple takes 30% and then, you know, taxes take their cut, like you're getting like 50% of what you sell it for. Like, and that's just off the top. So is that just for subscriptions or is that also for just all that's all sales on the app store? Yeah. Like it's kind of a standard fee. Okay. Uh, so non-trivial as we would say. Yeah. Then for us, if we're using the unreal engine, which gets a fee after that, it's even less. So, um, you know, I but think apps that, that cost this... more than 99 cents are garbage. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, but I yep. think this is, um, I, I think this is a really big, um, I think this is the really big story coming out of this. I mean, do you agree with that serenity? Yeah, no question. Um, it's really interesting to me that they decided to go down the subscription route rather than, you know, there are many, there are many things that developers have been clamoring for, including like free trials and, you know, allowing us to have paid upgrades. And Apple seems to eschew, have eschewed all of that and said, you know what? Um, this is a nice idea. We think subscriptions are the better way to do this and yeah. probably the future way to do this. And it's not, you know, there, there's precedent here. It's not like they're just pulling subscriptions out of thin air and being like, subscriptions are the future. You've seen uh, more and more apps, um, not just iOS apps, but, you know, uh, you think about uh, Adobe and Creative Cloud. Creative Cloud mm-hmm. was one of the one of the first major pieces of software that I used regularly that I can think of that went to the subscription model. And there's other stuff too. Like I, one of the the GIF makers that I use is on a <laughs> subscription model, which seems kind of insane. Um, but it's it makes sense to me that this is the direction they would want us they would want to go in because subscription, unlike paid upgrades or um, or free trials or app purchases, subscriptions really demand that not only do the apps come out with like a banner 1.0. Um, but there has to they it's encouraging developers to continue mm-hmm. updating their apps and continue giving users more and better information. And then your audience is there. You don't have to launch something totally new and get users to come to that. They're just they're yeah. hopefully already dr- there. Mm-hmm. And add more chaos to the app store. Yes. And all of that. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't wait, need more this, apps in the app store. Well, you think about it. He's like Tweetbot four and Tweetbot three oh, and Twitterific five, and you know, and yeah. as opposed to here's Twitterific. And right. and I feel hey. like, I mean, Brianna, you kind of got around the uh, free trial thing in the way that you priced Revolution sixty yeah, on iOS. On, it, it seems there's like a reason with the special edition, we're not doing that again. Yeah, no so, kidding. Would yeah. would developers also be able to do that with a subscription model theoretically like kind of time when i mean because theoretically if it didn't charge you right away users could try the app and then if there were like a two-week cancellation period before you pay the subscription i don't know if it works like that but it seems like that could be almost like a a halfway point between apple and the developers in terms of offering free trials 
where it's not a free I mean, trial. It would, you just have it would come down to right Apple's away. policies. But do you remember the romance novel thing we were laughing yeah, about with yeah. the really cute guy, like winking at uh, you? He so, was cute. He was my nightmare. But oh, yeah, go okay, on. Okay, okay, mm. we'll disagree on that. But yeah, I mean, and that's how they did it. Like, here, try a piece of it, and then if you want to read the rest of the story, you can subscribe, which I did. So, but um, <laughs> I, I, I really want to mirror what you're saying, Serenity. I mean, it's not just Adobe; it was Maya. Maya is a four thousand yeah. dollar piece of software. They've moved to a subscription model. Um, you know, even to a certain extent, Marco Armit with Overcast. You know, he made it free, asking for that. You know, Patreon model. So, as a software shop, it's a, a model that makes a lot of sense because you want to have steady income so you can give people jobs to regularly maintain and improve the app. So, you know, from a developer's point of view, it makes a lot of sense. I can say from a consumer point of view, um, I don't know. It's like, you think about with the game industry and games last so much longer than they used to, like Far Cry 4 gets DLC for like almost an entire year. Same thing with Tomb Raider. Like they constantly give you updates. But on the same time, every time that subscription comes up, I'm like, am I really going to get my dollar out of this? And then if I haven't been using it, even if it's just a dollar for a few months, I feel really betrayed and cheated somehow. So. <laughs> so- yeah, my yeah. my big question is how the subscription model is going to work long term because there are plenty of apps that I would I would yearly subscribe to. Um and then there are fewer apps that I would feel comfortable with a monthly subscription to. Mm. Yeah. Where it's like if I have, you know, if I have 3s on my on my uh iPhone and I play I still play 3s quite a bit. I think it's a fun little game or Monument Valley is another great example of like that's a great game and really enjoyable to play. Um but I I probably wouldn't pay 99 cents a month to to have Monument Valley on my iPhone. Mm-mm. I would pay $4 a year to have Monument Valley on my iPhone, but I wouldn't pay $12 a year to have Monument Valley on my iPhone. Um, and I yeah. feel like that's that's the question is like, is it going to be is there going to be an option for yearly pricing? And if if so, I think that the subscription model is going to be a lot easier for c- customers to swallow because it's very much like, OK, I buy the app and then in a, in 12 months, I get to decide whether or not I want to keep paying for the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. And that's my other question is if you stop subscribing, does that mean you don't get new updates or does the app get deleted? Because oh, that, that goes into, you, you know, that goes the into whole the can th- of worms. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. the it's the it's a subscription music model, right? Yeah. Because if yeah. you if you stop subscribing to Creative Cloud, you can't use your old version of Photoshop. It just stops working. Yeah. Um which is, you know, I I understand it from a point of view of Photoshop, but for like if I stopped subscribing to Tweetbot because oh, I switched to Twitterific to have Tweetbot just stop working. Yeah, to have my iCloud data get deleted. Like I don't know how I would feel about that. I'd be kind of upset about that. Well, think about all the the you know uh, Adobe software has root access to your computer. Like there's mm-hmm. a reason when Photoshop crashes, it can take down your entire machine because those. Well, checks this is why I use MS Paint. Are- <laughs> well, this is why I, I use Adobe CS5, and I will never upgrade until it physically stops working on my Mac. And, you know, it, it takes down your entire system. So think about being out there on a cellular plan 
when it's going to slow it down, it's going to do this two-way communication with the server to check that every single time you open up the app, maybe if you multitask. I mean, there are ways you can get around this if you program it well, like, you know, just verify your, you know, OAuth token like every month or so. But it, it still has a lot of potential to be a negative For experience. that reason, do you think it won't be um, a situation where apps will stop working if you're not paying for them? Or do you think that they will find a way to implement that to make it work so that the app will be verifying that you're paying the subscription every time? The way this stuff tends to work, and you know, developers don't like this because it's messy and political, is Apple's coming out with a policy. They're going to come out with some guidelines and, you know, developers are going to push and experiment with the edges of that. And they're going to see how far they can push it. Mistakes are going to get made on both sides. Things are going to be shut down. And we're kind of going to figure this out. I mean, Serenity, do you remember like when we were in the fart app era of the oh, app yeah. store? Do you know oh, what I yeah. mean? And there was so much um, you know, pushback on some of Apple's policies there. So I think the truth is, um, you know, it's messy. It's political. And we're going to have to see. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com. And when you do, you should enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Save that money and use the simplest, most wonderful website creator in the world. Squarespace. So Squarespace has super easy to use tools and templates to let you capture your artist's vision of what your website could be with the solid logical language of code that you don't even have to know. Like you don't have to be a coder to build a beautiful website in Squarespace. You just have to have your vision. And if you are a coder, you get you have <laughs> stop laughing, Brianna Wu. Stop laughing if you're You're throwing me off. You're throwing me off, man. If you are a coder, you can customize things as you want. If you are a coder, you're free to do anything. I feel like you're the cowboys of the internet. You do what what you want. You build what you want. And it's that way with Squarespace as well. And Squarespace puts all the power to do that into your hands and takes away all those worry points and annoyances like thinking about hosting or scaling or what to do if you get stuck along the way because they have 24-7 support in like three countries. Dublin, Ireland is one of those places where they have support. Dublin, Ireland is a city, not a country, but Ireland is a country where Squarespace offers you support for what to do if you're stuck building your website, Um, which hopefully won't happen because their tools are super easy to use and you'll end up with a website that looks professionally designed regardless of that skill level that you have. Like I said, all you need is your beautiful creative vision. And you know what? Start start small. Start Build something. Build something that speaks to your heart and then build like the next, I don't know, Google, whatever. Whatever it is that you imagine. Google's very, you know, a simple website. You could probably build that in Squarespace, right? <laughs> I mean, aesthetically. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you can build Google with Squarespace. Confirmed on Rocket. That is... Not their new tagline, but you can make that website look and feel exactly how you want. So if you want to build like Google's dark twin, call it dark Google and make it show you all the the results that no one wants, you can do that. Squarespace has tons of awesome features. Like I said, responsive design. So your your site will look great on any device. As you know, like I think the majority of website hits come from mobile. So you want the website to look good on mobile. Squarespace will help you do that. Uh, And it's super easy to add a store to your website so you too can sell 
your stick drawings and make a thousand dollars off them. And if you just want a single page website, cover page, bam, put your face up there, put a little information about you up there, look real good when the, the, the hiring committee comes by to make sure you're not convicted of crimes or something or that you look like a normal, nice person uh, like me. Uh, do that. Make a cover page for yourself. Get your face out there online. Verify your identity. It's beautiful. It's easy with Squarespace.com. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, check out their dev platform. Like I said, you dig into the code, you get in there with your little tools, and you tinker. You tinker with your Squarespace site like a like a dwarf building a, a, a great complex machine. Uh, that's exactly what building a website is like. I know because I know web developers. If you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name, which is awesome. You can choose exactly what you want it to be. Squarespace plans. Squarespace plans. Start at just $8 a month. Uh, you can start a trial with no credit card required and at squarespace.com. And when you enter that offer code ROCKET, you get 10% off your first purchase. You show your support to Squarespace. You show your support to us here at Rocket FM. Rocket, not Rocket FM. Relay and Relay <laughs> FM. All those things. You do all those things. You're so multi-talented. You're multitasking all over the place, showing your support to everyone. And you come out of it with a beautiful website that you'll be proud to show your everyone. The whole world. You'll be proud to show it to, to Mr. Google himself. Squarespace.com. <laughs> did you just say in the middle of that smoke, did you just... Did you just say, I look like a nice, normal person? <laughs> no, I don't think I ever said anything like that. I, that would be, I wouldn't lie. Rocket. Rocket is a show where the truth is told, and I am not a liar. I am not a nice or a normal person. You kind of have a killer assassin, almost a widow maker look to you, I think. Like that kind of killer. I am very blue, dabba dee dabba Yes, yes. Very, very purple. It's true. Um, So I think before we like close out this App Store update topic, I think we've got to talk about the other really big news out of here, which is uh, paid searches, which... I, I have to say, like, a lot of my deaf friends on the internet are pretty upset about this. So I, I have opinions, but I want to hear from everyone else. Like, what do, what do you all think about this? Uh, <laughs> I am tentatively okay with it. Yeah. Also it's... tentatively concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I... What, what? Oh, go what? on. No, 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 please. I was just going to summarize kind of for the people who listen, listening who might not have read. Uh, so Schiller, Phil Schiller said that there's going to be one ad per search and that it's going to be designated kind of like the way Google does it where you're like paid link at the top. Um, and uh, yeah, so that so it's not going to be like your full search will be full of all the advertised apps, but still it is a way of kind of adding a tier of elitism is not the right word, but just like the ability I mean, someone someone with the means will have the ability to get their app before more eyes more quickly. I think than um, than than people who don't have the means. But welcome to capitalism. I mean, I guess I mean the way I feel is I think that when you talk to developers, they always want the app store to be shaped in a way that is going to let their particular app succeed, right? Yeah. Like that's the biggest, um, you know, that's the biggest priority for them. 
I think the reality is, although the App Store does feature a lot of indie, you know, apps, you know, like they've featured Revolution 60. They've done it more than once. Um, I think the reality of it is user acquisition is simply a part of marketing a modern app. They do it for, you know, big iOS apps. They certainly do it for games. Um, I had a conversation at WWDC last year, and it was literally the most frightening conversation I've ever had in my life. It was at the uh, WWDC Girls Luncheon. More frightening than when I talked to you? Yes, even more frightening than that, Simone. It was it was for a woman that doesn't play games, doesn't like games, doesn't care anything about games, but is a financial person and a marketer. And I was sitting there and she is just rattling off the most banal, frightening statistics about her job, just talking about, yeah, and I can go buy a user for $3 over there and then take this over there. Oh. And it was like just talking at lightning fast speed about the actual process of how games like, you know, Kim Kardashian or, you know, Game of War or any of these other games like get and stay on the app store. So I understand wanting justice for smaller developers, but I think the reality of it is the ship has sailed. (laughs) And Facebook is selling these ads and Twitter is certainly selling these ads and, you know, Google is selling these ads. So I think to a certain extent, Apple um, maintaining one link at the top of each page and doing like Google does, where it's whoever bids the most money is going to get that app. I actually think that this could um, leave the apps underneath it a little bit more free. And I think that, you know, indie app developers are always going to be spotlighted by Apple going out and curating these game collections. That's always the way it's going to happen. So I I really think this is a a move that's not going to change much. Yeah, there are always, there are other options. Mm -hmm. Serenity, do you agree with that? Do you know? Yeah, I actually, I feel very similarly in that right now the App Store has a huge problem with search and in terms of getting contextual relevant results to show up. Um, and sometimes it works really well and sometimes not so much. Um, I think it's an interesting way for people to be able to take over categories in a way that they might not otherwise be able to do so and take over keywords that they might not be able to otherwise, uh, quite get. It allows Apple also to focus on keyword, uh, searches a little bit more because obviously there's a lot of automation that goes into the search backend. But it would be interesting, you know, if they're if they're developing ads that are targeting specific keywords, it means that they have to be better about those algorithms. It means those algorithms have to be smarter and smarter algorithms theoretically means better search results, again, below those paid ads. Um, And it takes it takes the the Google out, you know, out in some ways out of the regular old search rankings because it's like, oh, well, that's going to be shown in a subscriber box. So we can better contextualize maybe what comes next, you know, and and how that all works. That is a really interesting um, perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's well said. All right. Cool. So the other big thing that happened this week, uh, the in- – yeah, oh, and we we we've – hinted at it or we've not hinted at it we, we hinted we knew all about it uh we t- we discussed this before the information announced on friday that tony fidel was stepping down at nest and then uh yesterday it was uh announced that marwan fawaz has stepped in to replace him at nest um 
he is a veteran of the TV industry. He's kind of known as a fixer of troubled companies. And the article uh, that the information wrote, which was kind of a profile comparing him to Tony Fidel, uh, it was a very unfavorable comparison on behalf of uh, Tony Fidel. They described Fawaz's personality as being the opposite of his and then described him as, you know, even keel and calm and... <laughs> A fixer of troubled companies. So that that is um that is what he will be stepping in to do at Nest, I guess, is just kind of figure out where these block are uh, you have some contention. No, 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 I'll let you finish. Okay. Theoretically, he is going to be able to figure out why Nest has had or f- fix I guess the company culture there and help Nest begin shipping products again, which is something that they haven't done in a while. Especially now that Google is moving into that home assistant space. Well, I think I think part of the story here is I want to know like how the information keeps getting like the scoops I on know. Nest. Like, like it's a that that to me is almost the more interesting story here. They, they got to figure out how to make their their yearly subscription worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've 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 really led the reporting on this. They really have, and for some reason, even though I had the article shared with me by Christina Warren, it is now paywalled again, so I can't check back. To make sure that my notes <laughs> are complete. <laughs> it just fades out. Um, That's why I saved it as a snippet and sent it so to Serenity and yeah, Slack. You're so, so freaking smart. <laughs> We've got it I all I can here. just paste it. <laughs> so what do we, do you, are you both, are you either, are either of you familiar uh, with Marwan Fawaz? No, no. Neither am I. Nowhere. I, the I world's think the, premier I, expert. I, so I, I, this is how I feel. You know, we, we've talked a lot culturally, um, or at least I have in my career, kind of talking about what's wrong with tech. And I think one of the – a story I hear over and over again, especially from my women friends in game dev, is talking about the kind of abusive um, situations at, you know, companies, the size of Nest, right? Like 100 employees or so. Um, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Before Irrational broke up here in Boston, you know, there were a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk about Ken Levin kind of being a cult of personality and everything at Irrational kind of being, you know, like centered around him and his, um, you know, his quote unquote creative vision. And I did hear stories about him being kind of a Tony Fidel to his people, like a little bit um, micromanaging and loud and abusive. So, you know, when I hear these stories, I'm I'm really torn because I can tell you, like a creative vision, bringing it to bear is a process that involves a lot of conflict. If you have a Nest product in your home, it is a real work of art. Like the, the thermostat is the finest dial I've ever turned in my life. Like it has this beautiful weight to it. It just, it feels beautiful to touch. There's this weight. It's it just every single, the slide of it and the way it gradiates is just perfect. And you can tell someone really obsessed about every single detail. Would there. you say it makes so, you hot? Yeah, I would say it does as much as a, as a, a dial can. So, you know, that kind of stuff is not something the cable TV veteran that kind of 
is more of an accountant is going to be able to come in and really speak to. So I think the question is, can he kind of get out of the way in the way, uh, you know, Tim Cook has, who's, you know, most of his experience is more in, you know, creating uh, monopsomies, like buying up all the, 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 the vertical structure of a component to like lower prices. Is he that kind of person that can then go and surround himself by talented people? Clearly they exist there, you know, on the Nest team. So that's really my main thought about that. Like, what do you all think? Yeah, I, I think that at a certain point, I mean, if Tony Fidel is described as being like this great font of startup energy, and I think that that along with like a team of very talented designers, like those those two things could clash, especially if someone is a perfectionist. Um, and that perhaps if those designers uh, are still there with Nest, still passionate and still building products and still having great ideas, then somebody who is experienced in running companies and dealing with stuff outside of the design sphere and more in like the selling stuff sphere could have a big effect on that, especially like if they're chill and business oriented <laughs> as yeah. I, this art it is, it has been implied to me that this person is. Um, but again, I, I guess we'll need to see. I mean, I, I put a lot of faith in, I guess, whatever team made these products that you are so in love with. I don't think it's the responsibility of any one man. So, or woman, which Tony Fidel is not, but anyway, <laughs> yes. it's not the, <laughs> not the responsibility of any one person. And hopefully the team can come together with a kind of culture and regime change and turn things around. But who knows? Regime change. sound like a dictatorship. Yeah. Well, it kind of was according it to is, the information. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, sorry, I'd love to know what you think about this. Like, I think it's so notable that looking at people that have kind of left Apple and have gone on to um, you know, start their own companies. I mean, was it uh, you know Scully that started up his like Android, very low cost uh, phone company a while back that went absolutely nowhere? You know, Tony Fidel has kind of you know fallen flat on his face, and you know Scott Forstall. I don't know how his like ventures into Broadway have gone, but you know he certainly hasn't um, you know come and really shaken up the tech industry. Like a lot of people expected him to go and spin off a, a startup. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, in part, I think it has to do about giving space <laughs> and time. Uh, especially when you're coming off something that's such a crazy product. Tony Fidel is such an interesting case because of, you know, I mean, even we've we've heard talk of the way that Tony Fidel ran meeting rooms all the way back to the iPad, the iPod. Like if you read some of the interviews on the iPod and they exist now, you know, they're out there. Um, he still sounds like a pretty horrific ta taskmaster. And you know what? Um, I've known people who are horrific taskmasters who, you know, get the job done and it's great. And it's not necessarily saying that's a horrible thing for him. But honestly, in with with what we heard from Nest and obviously us hearing it from the information, we're not there firsthand. I don't have friends who work at Nest, so I can't, you know, independently corroborate and say, yes, it's a terrible working <laughs> environment and good riddance. Uh, but it really does sound like the majority of people were not happy and were feeling, you know, not very unmotivated. And the company was basically being run at cross at cross directions. And that's a really that's a really hard thing for a for a company that's not only 
not only building something that used to be that came out of a startup, but building something in a very nascent industry that's constantly changing. I mean, the the connected home industry is so raw and so new that you know, in, in the next five years, everything is going to change and everything yeah. is going to, to rearrange. I mean, we look at HomeKit, right, which is technically two and a half years old, might be, th- it will be three years old as of this uh, WWDC. But really, you know, we've only just seen HomeKit stuff come out this year and it still is very nascent and doesn't quite work with Siri. And, and there are third-party apps and they sort of work, but then there's other problems. Uh, and then you've got, you know, all of these other spaces like Amazon competing for the connected home um, and Google's going to be com- competing for the connected home. The connected home is such a new field that for there to be supreme strife in one of the original leaders of the connected home like that that can't happen that that's that's what happens when you know you you're skating to where the puck is going and then all of a sudden a seven foot tall bruiser just comes and slams (laughs) you onto the ice and it's like let's have a fight instead of getting that puck Let's have a fight and let's talk about the ways you should have gotten that puck better. Like that that's not that's not how you grow a company. That's not how you stay the leader in a space. Uh and it sounds like the departure of Fidel is hopefully going to help remove at least uh the if we're going back to that ho- that poor hockey metaphor. <laughs> at, I loved every minute of it. The, the anger from that fight. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I, I also, I, I think that the results speak for themselves, right? So if Nest had shipped new products, you know, new substantial products or upgrades in the last two years, I imagine Google might be able to look more of the other way uh, for this like kind of legendary abrasive management style. But I mean, the truth is he's not getting the job done. So, you know, it's time to, to go somewhere else. Yeah. I think you know, the last thing I wanted to say on this is there there does need to be a spectrum as we're going to like the automated home. And, you know, we do need things that are you know, the finest objects you're ever going to hold, like the Nest thermometer. You know, I, I when I put things in my house, uh, you know, I want them to be the best that are available, you know? So like if I go and replace my, my sink, I'm going to do a lot of research and get whatever the best one is of that. But, you know, there need to be like low end ones too. And I am really curious, like Nest. Yeah, otherwise, how will I make my home smart? Right. <laughs> well, well you, yeah, need, but- you need Brianna to do all the work for you, Simone. <laughs> right. But I mean, there there needs to be a range of it. Yeah, right? totally. Like, Google is because otherwise it won't succeed. The the operating system for the masses, right? Like they they have premium Android products now, like the Nexus. But you know, it's it's I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a very googly product currently. Yeah. All right. Well, the the proof will be in the pudding, as they say. Can I tell y'all what I did tonight? Yes, yeah. let's go to dessert. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's go to dessert. I saw the Warcraft movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. So Polygon um, and the company that produced the movie, which I should probably know, but I don't. Uh, we hosted <laughs> a screening uh, here in New York with free popcorn and Q&A with some of the actors afterwards. Guys, I actually enjoyed it a lot. And I'm not did being you? paid to say that. I actually oh really enjoyed it. It was a lot of really? fun. It was dumb fun. It was very, very silly fun. Uh but it was super enjoyable. And apparently there was a ton of lore in it that I personally totally missed because I have not 
played the Warcraft games, unfortunately, or World of Warcraft. But uh, Rob Kaczynski, who's one of the uh, – oh, let me double-check his name actually really quick. How did I get into this tab? I'm pretty sure. Apparently, I don't have his tab open anymore. Hold on! Yeah, I was right. I was right. His name is Rob Kaczynski. So Rob Kaczynski, who plays Ogrim Doomhammer in the film, um, did not realize I was a Warcraft character. My fake gamer is showing through. He was at the uh, Q&A afterwards, and oh my god, he is such a huge Warcraft nerd. He was geeking out with Susanna about it, and it was kind of adorable. And uh, I have a huge soft spot for him now, but he was talking about like, He's been playing World of Warcraft since the vanilla version and, like, is super invested in the world and everything. So uh, to hear – he also said that, like, the whole – not cast, but the, uh, like, behind the the crew of the film was all Warcraft nerds. So, yes, the the silliness, the silliness and irreverence of the video games has certainly been translated to this film. There were some dramatic moments that I think fell a little bit flat. Um – and I don't understand why Travis Fimmel talks exactly like he does in Vikings. And I don't know what accent that is either, but he is very beautiful. So I will let it slide. Also, the film <laughs> passed the Bechdel test. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, I was also, I was literally like holding my breath. Like the two female characters, two, no, there were three female characters. Two of them <laughs> approached each other. And I was literally sitting like on the edge of my seat, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then they started talking about the king. And I was like, it's, uh, okay, keep it together, Simone. Keep it together. Just just watch and wait. Watch and wait. That's the lowest bar a film can pass. And then it freaking passed. They did it. They talked about something else. I honestly don't remember what it was because I was sitting there like shoveling popcorn in my mouth going, this passed the Bechdel test. I'm so impressed. <laughs> oh, my God. So you have to tell me, does 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 Leroy Jenkins make an appearance? There was no That's Leroy Jenkins about. moment. There we was were, no Leroy Jenkins. We were looking for this because we have been talking about oh. this in the office today. We were like, if there's like an orc named Leroy or something, I don't. Orcs aren't named Leroy, but if there's someone named Leroy, uh, I did not spot any. I would not be surprised if there's like a what was that Wilhelm scream um, thing. I would not be surprised if maybe there's like in the background a Leroy Jenkins that I missed. Uh, because I was shoveling popcorn in my face, like I said, it was a very enjoyable film. Um, but yeah, that that's my my kind of mini review of Warcraft. Ben Foster is a beautiful, sad eyed wizard man, and I <laughs> I love him. Yeah, we could. Uh, I saw you sending a Facebook message about him to the wrong chat. I thought so. I was replying to your text message because I, I I was at the screening, so I was like, Brianna, can we start at ten thirty instead of ten fifteen? And then I saw your message in a different thing that said yes and yes, and I so I, I was technically talking to you, just you hadn't actually replied to my message. Oh, okay. So, okay. but yeah, okay. uh, Ben Foster was at the Q and A. He was either very tired or just uh, a better actor than he is at interacting with human beings, which I do not blame him for because, I mean, who wants to interact with human beings anyway? But uh, he he did make some some goofs that I did enjoy, but he also answered, like, zero questions from Susanna, <laughs> which I felt kind of oh. bad about. But Rob Kaczynski was there, so whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I have to say, like, this movie looked so dumb like, so terrible I mean, it is don't so get me wrong stupid. it yeah. is stupid but i right. enjoyed it a lot <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's there are stupid movies that are good yeah um i think a about angry uh, is one of them 
Which Drive Angry? Have you seen it? Oh yeah. Oh yes. my god, I love that yes. film. Love mm-hmm. that. Love it. Love um, it. Speed Racer is one of my yes. secret ones. I was oh. going to say that. I was going to say Speed Racer. Yeah, but that's good bad. Like that's yeah. a good bad. Thing. Well, it's it's so. it's clearly terrible. It has some problems, yeah. but it's enjoyable. I think that's right. the thing. Is like there there are movies. Ultraviolet comes to mind. I love Ultraviolet. <laughs> oh, I hate Ultraviolet. Really? The TV oh, no. sh- the TV show is great. The movie is painful. <laughs> oh, I no, haven't it's seen terrible. That. <laughs> it's undefendable. I, I feel like I need to watch Speed Racer with someone who loves it because I got I was really I don't know if I was just really tired or if I didn't like it, but I almost fell asleep during it. Uh, so I I need to see it with somebody who can explain to me why they love it so much. And I shouldn't fall asleep during a movie that's full of neon lights. But <laughs> lo and behold. It did. It I, happens. It happens. I have to say, like, my, the best dumb movie ever made of all time, and I will fight anyone to the death that disagrees with I'm ready. me on this, is Sucker Punch. I, I haven't Sucker seen Punch. that. Sucker oh, Punch is so I have, bad. I have problems with it. A lot yeah. of problems with it. But yeah, it, yeah the problem is just, it's long. It's so long. <laughs> long is hard. Oh, I, like, there's, yeah. there's some good, good parts. Really good parts. But so long. It's, I love uh, all the outfits from it. I when I was when it was like in I, I think I watched the trailer for it like ten times because the trailer was so good and I love trailers, which was my main complaint about going to a screening was that there were no trailers and the movie just like started and I was like, What? <laughs> you you brought me all the way here, you're showing me this film that hasn't come out yet for free, and you're not even gonna show me trailers? What is wrong with you? Uh so that's that was my main complaint about the film. The you didn't f- get trailers with it. No trailers. Really? I'm going to have to watch my own I, trailers now on my own time. I thought it was Baby Doll wearing both like a, a midriff showing and a mini skirt. <laughs> like that is, like she was gorgeous. You're literally describing like, my yeah, outfit just, today. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Sorry, Samara. I don't mean to uh, shame you for that. So I, shame. I, shame. I, I have to say, though, like the Warcraft movie, what, what really... And I haven't seen it like you, but I'd love your opinion on this. But the story, and especially the CG, just looked so painfully generic. Like the only thing that stood out for me stylistically was kind of the 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 big bulky shoulder armor that we kind of all know from that game. But the orc design just seemed really uninspired. Like the lighting just seemed kind of flat. Um, it just... Even the the look of it bores me. Is that is that fair? Is that not fair? I think yes and no because it was like super colorful, uh, which I definitely appreciated, and I love seeing like like the humans have that kind of silly like blue and gold armor, and like the king's sword, like the king's armor literally looks like it's just been glued with rhinestones in a in a fancy you know CGI way, which <laughs> made me like kind of childishly gleeful because I was like video game yay they made it look like a video game um so it, and in that way like it does have a sort of there there is a generic fantasy feel i think that goes along with that you know you you dignified king with a golden sword that has a blue sapphire in the hilt and it's perfectly diamond shaped and shiny um but at the same time like that is kind of this is where that look is coming from like Warcraft, I think, is one of the one of the properties that, in its evolution, has kind of made its brand of fantasy. Um, so, in that way, I felt you know they kind of they kind of can own that. Um, the orcs were pretty gross. I kind of dug it. 
Like they they were interested. <laughs> they actually they shouldn't be nice looking. No, no, yeah, no. I actually i I actually quite enjoyed. And there were there were like some some female orcs mixed in amongst the crowd of them. And they I think they did actually really good at like making them have distinct faces and even distinct styles in some cases. Like there were clearly a few. Uh, different clans of orcs represented. Um, it was the the like whole glowing eyed magic thing translated into uh, our modern CGI. Very silly looking, unfortunately. But on the other hand, like again, that that is kind of what they're using the visual language that was kind of provided to them. They didn't really try to like update it to make it look cooler. They just made it look more fancy, I think. Hmm. So, um, and actually some of the magic was really cool. I'm going to be real, <laughs> especially Ben oh. Foster's sad eyed wizard magic. Um, not, you know, not the best acting I've ever seen in my life, but certainly. Eh, yeah. <laughs> Who needs that? Who I know, needs right? acting? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm gonna see this. That's this fair. Movie, like, Simone, I, you have not. You've not. I know. I, I would I'm not. Sorry. Yeah. I would say if you're like a Warcraft nerd and you want to go like have a good time and put popcorn in your face, it is enjoyable. Like it's not bad, unwatchable. It's like this is a popcorn movie, um, and it's clearly going to be a franchise. And there's a lot of references to the lore in it. Um, they're they're working with a lot of stuff that I didn't understand, um, <laughs> unfortunately. But it was fun. Like, fun is the word I'd use to describe it. Uh, would I go to the $23 movie theater to watch it? No, I would not. I would be disappointed if I accidentally walked into that movie theater a second time in my life. I did it for Zootopia. I was okay with that. Zootopia uh, was worth it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when I walked into that theater and was like, why am I paying $23 for a ticket? <laughs> Screw you, New York. Oh my God. Um, oh. I was like, but I'm going to have a good time and see Zootopia, and it will be, it will live up to my expectations, and it did. Um, anyway, yeah, but Warcraft is not a $23 film, unfortunately. But, you know, <laughs> okay. it's breaking box okay. office records in China, so. Yep. Fantastic. That's me. Uh Brianna, what are you up to this week? I am prepping for WWDC. I am planning which parties I'm going to. I'm getting my meetings ready. So, yeah, I uh, jumped back on a plane uh, then. I'm also getting over pneumonia, which oh. has been Oh, yeah, great. I saw that you were um, sick. You, like, left the house for the first time today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was garbage. great. It was great. I was in the... Uh, you You have dog serenity. You can appreciate this. But I was just in the backyard with my dogs the other day. I'm just like... I'm just going to lay down for five minutes and, and, and play with Splat and then wake up like an hour later. I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. But I'm I'm on an upswing. I'm on an upswing. So we, we have to tell Rocket listeners about this. We are going to have Rocket live at AltConf. And we are so excited about this. This is Tuesday at, uh, I think it's at 3.55. Uh, I'm going to be there. Christina is going to be there. Micah Sargent is going to be there. So I want to put you on the spot so we can edit this out. Do you think you're going to be there? Or I would like possible? to. I may okay. I may have duties at layers. All right. Because I'm right. A... We'll see what can happen. We'll yeah. see what can happen. So, uh, but no, it's going to be a great, uh, great podcast live. So come see us all and wear your Rocket t-shirt. It will be great. Yeah, get some free drinks out of that. I'm so excited for you guys. I will not be there because I am covering E3 from New York, uh, and I will be underground, basically, uh, weeping <laughs> softly to myself. Good all luck week. with that. 
E3 is very relaxing. I, I hear. Yeah. I mean, so it was, relaxing. it's just like a, a nap, a big nap. Actually, I'm definitely bringing pajamas to the office and I plan on just having a delightful amount of pajama parties because all the press conferences like we're looking at the times. and It's like, oh, this is starting at 5 p.m. on the West Coast. That means I'm going to be here all night. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, Serenity, yeah. what are you Good up to this that. week? Oh, God. So I also saw a ridiculous uh, sci-fi fantasy movie. I saw X-Men Apocalypse. I loved it. I I really liked it. I loved it. I really liked it. I did not expect to like it. But I, you know, I I went into it thinking, oh, God, I'm going to go watch another X3. Uh, Because I, you know, when you hear bad reviews about an X-Men movie, that's where your mind goes. You're like that or or X-Men or or the origins Wolverine story, not the Wolverine, which was pretty good. Uh, but but this was really enjoyable. And yes, it had some kooky things and, and some things that went on too long. And maybe there was like little bits here and there that didn't work. But I I actually really enjoyed the movie overall. It was one of the few superhero movies where I'm like, well, no, he's all like they're just embracing the fact that this, this is an all-powerful villain. Like it's it's not oh, a Deus Ex Machina. It's what I feel like Thanos on the Marvel on the other Marvel side should feel like. Where it's like this is a dude who's collected a bunch of powers, so of <laughs> course he's invincible and of right. course he's gone completely mad and crazy. Rather than rather than like the villains we've had in other movies where it's like I'm a normal human or I'm a normal mutant that just happens to have dreams of world domination or you know and then it's just like Don't you can, that's never believable. I I kind of love the villains that are just so over the top. That you just go, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll buy into your mania because the the like the motivation for mania is you are a crazy person who's lived millennia and is just swapped body to body. Like I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, it was it was fantastic. I I think my main critique of the film would be I think there were too many mutants. I think they tried to cram too many characters in there. Um, and my other criticism, which is unforgivable, so I have to bump it down from five stars to one star, was not enough Psylocke, Psylocke, uh, Psylocke in the film. I love Olivia Moon. I love her. She's my favorite X-Men. Her comics are just awesome. And she's barely in the film. She's barely in the film. Her motivation isn't even there. And it was just such a waste for me. I was really disappointed. I heard Jubilee was also barely in the film. So I know. It's there and you miss it. Blink and you miss it. (laughs) Too many mutants and yet not the ones that we want. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, it's like a grab bag of mutants. Yeah, uh, you can you can see uh, without too many spoilers. You can see a Game of Thrones character as Jean Grey. Gosh, I wonder which she's Game of Thrones so, character that might be. She's so good. She's Ugh. so good. This is the best Jean Grey. I like Famke Janssen, but she was not a good Jean Grey. She did not encompass that character, in my opinion. Um, and the new the like, you know, Jean Grey is a character is filled with angst. And like unease and is unsure of herself in this era of her life. And she nails it. Oh, it's and so good. It's just, oh, it's so good. Love it. Yeah. And without without giving anything away, the arc for her in this movie is mm-hmm. so excellent. Yes. I like Jean Grey and her entire X-Men story was one of the one of the first comic stories that I really got into as a kid. Oh, and really? 
Yeah, so it's like, so X3 was like an even bigger stab in the heart because I'm like, why are you ruining Dark Phoenix for me? (laughs) Yeah, why is this so horrible? Uh, So I felt betrayed. I felt really betrayed by that movie. Like, uh, V for Vendetta was out the next week. And I was such a, like, it really encompassed our feelings about X3. So, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have to say, like, the other criticism I would have about it is how many freaking movies do we have to see that are all about uh, Professor X and Magneto? Because by my count, this is like six or seven of them. Yeah. Like, can we move on to some other main characters? Yeah. I could watch them out. like eating paper, though. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're oh both God. really captivating actors. I will give yes. them that. But yes. I would love. I would love a story where we've got, uh, say, Jean as the main caster. Yes. Or yes. Psylocke. Let's find out what Psylocke's doing. What, or, uh, or Adventures with Storm. You want I'd be a, okay with a, that. a solo female superhero movie? I know. That's a what? crazy idea, right? Serenity, oh. you're not going to be invited back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry oh. to break it to you, babe. Um, yeah. No, that would be cool. I, w- I, would like, I would like to see one of those things, maybe not directed by... Brian Singer, but we'll 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 see if we can we can have these things in the future. Oh, I like so before, Brian Singer. Before we close the show out, Simone, can I give one shout out? So this week, uh, you know, you may have noticed that the Rocket Twitter account, uh, you know, we kind of have not been super awesome about <laughs> like following that Twitter account. So this week I said to myself, who is the nicest human being in the whole world? Like who makes my heart sing every single time he's in my Twitter timeline? And that is, of course, Charles Tan, who I love and you love and who everyone that listens to the show should follow on Twitter. So I said, hey, what would happen if I just threw Charles Charles Tan the uh, keys to the rocket Twitter? And he has turned it into like the most awesome fan Twitter ever where he's like going through and like commenting on people's Twitter. It's a miracle. Like, There's actually it, life. It, it, it's, it's There's awesome. life in the Twitter. So, so I want to give my most sincere thanks to Charles Tan for that. So uh, yeah. And everyone should follow the rocket Twitter. And now that stuff actually happens. Seriously. <laughs> secondary me as well. Like yes, he's a really yes. nice guy and he's doing a great job with it. So thank you so Love much, him. Charles. Uh, yep. Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal. Serenity. You can find me at Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N, on Twitter and Instagram and on iMore. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you liked it, please uh, let me burp in your ear right now. (laughs) If you liked it, please leave us a review on iTunes. We super appreciate it. And you will hear Brianna Wu, Christina Warren, and Micah Sargent live from WWDC next week. So enjoy that experience, listeners. (sighs) This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. Say terminated, Serenity. Serenity. Terminated. Yeah. (laughs) Oh.